This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. Amen. How are we doing this morning? Good? Good. Thank you for coming out. Uh, this is the seventh week in our series, and I've got a lot of feedback on this, and, and it's actually going to be kind of the, the last part of the uh, series here today. And But boy, so many people have either texted or talked to me personally and say, stay on this. So I don't know. I have to come up with more material, but I know... <laughs> I was really kind of bringing it, we'll just pray about it for next week, but at this point, I want to talk to you uh, about the blessing of the Lord. This is the seventh week, and I subtitle this, Thankful for Not Enough. Thankful for Not Enough. And my text has been each week, and for the sake of time, I'm going to go through this uh, quite quickly here. Maybe you can help us along here. I don't know what's uh, happening. Thank you. <clears throat> Uh, Luke 24, 30 to 31, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and their eyes were open and they knew him. And we've said this each week that, that what God uh, blesses and his blessing rests upon, there's a breaking process. And all of you, you know, can, can agree to that and say, okay, that maybe explains why what I thought was gonna happen didn't happen, but I see God's pruning process. And so, and so what happens in the seasons of our life, um, we, we see that there's these breakings and and what happens is we begin to recognize Christ in a new facet, in a new understanding, in a deeper walk with him, in a richer way. John 15, 5, John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay joined to me, that's the key right there, and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of fruit. And we talked about that and what that means that, you know, God wants us to produce fruit. And it says this, but you cannot do anything without me or cut off from the Lord. Can I get an amen? And we've talked about, about does God prune the faithful, the obedient Christians, and those that are connected and staying in there and they really desire to serve the Lord. And the, and the answer is yes, he does. He does. Jesus said, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. And we've been talking about that. So they will produce even more. And we've used numerous illustrations about pruning. And we said this each week that you don't have to be doing something wrong to be pruned. It's, it's, you're not necessarily doing something wrong. Um, you're actually probably doing something right that pruning takes place. So if if you are pruned, here's the thing. We're going to be pruned, you know, doing things right. And, you know, we just might as well just deal with it and say, okay, Lord, have your way in my life. Can you say amen? But it's one thing to be pruned, but it's another thing to be cut off. And we don't want to be cut off. Amen. And so a text here that we have another illustration, it's interesting, of the breakings of the Lord that bring the blessings of God, is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now, one reference I have up there is Mark 6, but actually all the Gospels reference this story, and they add different components to it in each one. 
And you say, well, why, is that? why isn't all exactly the same? Well, actually, that's the beauty of, you can see the validity of the scripture. It's from every, these person's eye view. I mean, uh, John uh, being there had an eye view, and, and Mark being there, <clears throat> Matthew. And so uh, I'll be sharing out of all of them and using some verses, but I want you to notice something, though, in this story when Jesus feeds the 5,000. It's interesting that he goes from one miracle to a storm. Right after this miracle, they're out in the Sea of Galilee, and they're in a storm. And so right after Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus women and children, it doesn't count them, but so you have more. You have more than just 5,000 in there, women and children. And so they're in a desert place, but they're desperate. Watch this, for the word of God. They're coming out to a desert place. They're hungry for the word of God, for God's word. And the question this morning is, are you hungry for his word? Amen? Hungry for the word of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 says this, you must not depend upon bread alone to sustain you. In other words, depend only solely on what you can do, what you can generate, your finances, we need to trust on what everything God says. Amen? So, so they didn't have the food. They needed food, as we're going to see here in a moment. But they had God's word. So Jesus is teaching. Now listen to this. These people would rather have the word of God than bread. And if it came down to a choice, they said, okay, we know that we're hungry, but we're going to stay here because we want to hear the words of Jesus because they're so important. I can tell you numerous times, being in Russia and Ukraine, mostly in Ukraine, and being there and having meetings where these people waited all day to hear these Americans come, these ministers to share the word of God. I've shared the story one time, I can't remember, some remote village. I was with Peter Mel, a missionary, and, and we were supposed to be there earlier that, that uh, evening, and w- the truck, the van broke down, and we didn't get there till 2.33 a.m., and it was cold out, and I remember I had my old Russian wool jacket, and the, the interpreter, Natasha, that was with us, was pregnant, you know, you know, within a few months to give birth. She was there in the van, and it was just, it was an agonizing time for us, but then we show up, and we think, I tell Peter, okay, we just need to crash, and for, he goes, no, they're waiting for you. I said, who's waiting for us? I said, the church, the people that have gathered. We walk into this home, and there's this little fireplace here, and there's about 50 or 60 Ukrainians there waiting at 2.30 in the morning. And we just was going to say, okay, can we just bless them and go? And Pete goes, no, you better not. They've been waiting all day to hear the word of God. Wow. Wow. A hunger. It showed a tremendous hunger for the word of God. You know, if you have a hunger for the word of God, God is always going to supply your needs. He's going to supply your needs. The Bible says that when the disciples told him how weak the massive crowds were and how hungry the people were, that they hadn't eaten anything, the scripture says, that they they were concerned. And so, so they told Jesus, said, Jesus, just send them away in the villages here so they can go get some food. And Jesus says, he says, they don't need to depart. They don't need to leave. I know they haven't eaten anything, but they came to hear the word. They came to see me. They came to hear the word of God. And I can give them the word of God, but I can also give them bread. And you need to know that, that, that even though you receive the word of God, you wonder, how is that going to translate into my life? And how am I going to be blessed? Listen, when you have a heart for the word of God, God will bless your life. Can I get an amen in this quiet church this morning? 
Jesus was there to bless them. And Jesus says, what do you have? We'll talk about that in a moment. Jesus was ready to bless them all with the miracle. But Jesus asked them a question. He said, what do you have? Here's the thing. The miracle always begins with what you have. And we'll talk about that here. It's not what you don't have. You have to first recognize what you have. And you have, all of us have something. Something. I got nothing. You have something. God has given us all something. Can you say amen? And see, when you recognize what you have, then God can multiply that. That's where his blessing comes in in our life. And so there's a pattern here Jesus is showing us. He's saying that the first key to receiving my provision for your life, no matter what kind of storm that you may be facing or whatever season that you're in in life and or you feel like you're going through this pruning process, if you recognize what you have, if you recognize that God can do a miracle what you have. <clears throat> See, it's when we recognize what we have first, then God can multiply that. And we'll show you that illustration here in a moment. You say, well, it's interesting <clears throat> how the Bible, when it implies some things and says some things, and sometimes things it doesn't say, you can read into it and, and understand, okay, this, look what's going on here. It's interesting that <clears throat> the Bible says that there was 5,000 men, but they didn't count the women and the children. Because one of the translators, I don't know if it was the Gospels, if it's John or whatever, that says, and, you know, plus women and children. So how many know if there's 5,000 men, there's, you know, at least or possibly close to if every one of those guys was married, and not, maybe not all, anywhere from 10 to 12, 15, it could be up to 20,000 people there. But it only counts the men. I find that interesting. And so... <clears throat> Um, they didn't count, though, and they wrote, they like, well, we just counted, and they told us, there's about 5,000 here, men. And I just thought about that. They didn't count the women and children. In other words, they counted the 5,000 men, but the women and children, implying the women and children, in a sense, didn't count, in a way. I want you to notice something about our God. Here's the thing. God uses people that other people don't count. Can I get an amen? He cares about everyone. And that's why it's put in the scripture for a reason that someday we could preach about it. Here, 2,000 years later, God uses people that other people say that are unimportant. In other words, they're so unimportant, we're not even going to count them. Now, don't raise your hand on this, but how many have been on when they're, you're young and you're going to play softball or baseball and they have to pick teams? Wow, some of you just went right back to that moment. <sighs> I remember it too, and I hated it. Because, you know, you try to pretend all of a sudden that you're a good player, you know, whatever. And you're the one that nobody wants at the end. I don't want him, you know, and I don't want her. All right, well, you just join. It's like, you just feel terrible. See, see, God uses people that other people don't count. We're going to show you that here in a moment. The very one that they didn't count was the one that God used. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? There was a little boy, it says in John, that had five loaves and two fish. They didn't count him because he was insignificant. But all he had, he's the one that brought the lunch, that little boy. He was the one that nobody counted, that everybody discounted. He's just a kid with a, a little lunch there, but nobody was concerned about him. But the one that people didn't count was the one that God counted, the one that God cared about. Friends, that's the truth about our God. He counts people that other people discount. You know, people may look at you and feel, you, you think, you know, they're unimportant or, you know, they don't really count. Maybe write you off as, you know, it really don't matter. That, that person doesn't have any, any value. They may not say that, but they could maybe imply that. But God says, I count people 
that other people don't count. Can you say amen? So in verse 38, Jesus asked, what do you have? What do you have? And see, here's the thing. When you recognize what you have, God can multiply it. Watch what the Lord does in verse 39 to 40. Jesus gives this very strange command. When they bring this little boy's food, Jesus said in verses 39 to 40, he said, said to them, separate into groups of 50 and 100. Now, that's interesting. Now, how many of you know with 5,000 men plus women and children to do that with your 12 disciples, how many of you know it's going to take some time? I mean, if we just said, okay, we want you all here just to separate in certain groups of three or four or whatever, it's going to take a little bit of time. But just think of um, 12, 15,000, maybe 20,000 people. Think of the time. Now, they're already hungry. They're starving because the disciples already came up and said, send them away. They're hungry. They've been with us all day hearing the word of God. And then Jesus says, stop. I want some order out of this. I want some structure. And <clears throat> so it's a very strange command. It's going to take some time. Put them in groups of 50 and 100. And so the people, I would imagine, in that hot sun, are some of them may be fainting from hunger. They haven't eaten all day in the hot sun. And, and so, so why does Jesus do this? Why does he do this? And why would you take that time to separate them in this? And they're pretty hungry. Because, you know, sometimes the best miracles take time. Miracles take time. Because he's about to do a miracle. Something marvelous is going to happen. But sometimes the best miracles take time. And, and going back to the pruning process in your life, some of you are frustrated. Some of you thought, this, I didn't know this is where I'd be in the stage of my life. And I thought it would turn out as such and such. And the plans that I have, amen, have not happened. Sometimes the greatest things in our life. You know, Moses was 80 years old when he began to lead the children of Israel. Do you know, some of you think, 80, I want to be in heaven by then. <laughs> 80 years old, and for 40 years, he was on the backside of the desert. Nobody knew of him. 40 years. Everything in Moses that his ambition, ambition was totally burned out in his life by then. 40 years, then he sees the burning bush. What am I trying to say? Sometimes the best miracles take time. Sometimes we need to understand that God's best miracles are not driven by need or necessity or hunger. I want you to get that. Why don't you do this, God? Can't you see I need this? Can't you? No, we're talking about faith here. When God is doing something big in our life, we can't rush God in that. How many know that God, our God, is not a drive-through God? How many know when we do get a drive-through God and we do get something quick, that's great, amen? Rejoice in that, but God takes time with our life. Thank God for that. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God. Something about that word patience, just, boy. Sometimes I'm just not a very patient person at times. Patience, after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So what is the will of God? Well, everybody's asking in that season of your life. How many still with me say amen? <clears throat> so you have need of patience. James 5, 11 says you have heard of the Patience of Job have seen the Lord in the outcome, how the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I think that the trial of Job, and it went anywhere from nine months to a year. Sometimes we read it, and it's like, I got Job's trial, and you've been in it for, you know, 30 years. Okay, Job's lasted about a year. Now, that was an intense year. And Job, if you would have met with him, you're thinking, his life's over. It's over. Nothing's working out. Everything is failing. And God's end was full of compassion and mercy. Amen? So 
One of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is patience, patience. And we all need to learn this because there's things in our life. I mean, Moses tried to step out in what he knew of the will of God and the call of God in his life, and he rose up and he he saw, uh, you know, uh, an Egyptian and a Hebrew. They were fighting, and, and, and he killed the Egyptian, and he buried him in the sand. Forty years he was in the desert. What am I trying to say? A lot of times we step out in our own strength, try to make things happen. There's a lot of things we can make happen, but if they're going to be sustained and continue on, God's got to be the one behind it. Can you say Amen. Or owe me. So order and structure. Jesus commanded them to be divided into groups of 50 and 100. So Jesus is saying, give me some order out of this mess, this crowd, this mass crowd. Give me some structure. And, you know, just backing up here, that's what uh, is, we shared and implemented the pastoral care team here. That's what Harvest is about in these last few seasons uh, of praying about, you know, as we move forward uh, with God's will for the building and you know, we've implemented some things like Church 101 where we have those that you can be a part of the church and come hear about the vision. And it's the first Sunday of the month and the care team and uh, life groups. All of these things are help build our structure so we'll be able to handle and facilitate the growth that God is bringing to our church. Can you say amen? Now, we see in this instance that it took order and structure to accommodate these thousands and thousands of people to receive a blessing from God. Many times we say, God bless me some more. God give me more, I want more. And what happens is, is we're not handling what God has given us presently obediently. In other words, we could be mishandling what we already have. Friends, God doesn't give you more according to what you ask for. He gives you according to what you can manage. Can I get an amen? Some of you wondered, why did I come to church this morning and get up this early? <clears throat> uh, I'm actually, gold is being laid before you. <laughs> if you can't manage what you got right now and do that with excellence, come on now, why would God give you more of it? We would just squander it. Isn't that right? we would just squander that. The Bible says in verse 41, they brought Jesus what they had and Jesus took it and he blessed it. Now watch this. What, this is all I want you to see and this is the point of my message and it'll be done here in a moment. Honestly. Some of you just woke up. <laughs> Jesus, watch this, is blessing what's not enough. Jesus, I'm gonna say that again, he's blessing what's not enough. Five loaves, two fish. It's obviously not enough to feed 5,000 women and plus women and children. It's not enough. Jesus, hello, this isn't enough. It's not enough. But notice Jesus, whoa, you got to see this. Jesus gives thanks for what's not enough. What's not enough in your life? Where do you feel like it's just not enough? It's not working out. I don't have that. I wish I had that. That stinking jalopy car every time it doesn't run on. He gives thanks for what's not enough. Why? Because he's trying to teach us something here. He's trying to teach us something. Friends, when we can learn to be grateful, even with what you have is not enough, then God can begin to multiply not enough into more than enough. Come on, somebody should say amen. That's when he multiplies it, when we're thankful for not enough. I'm telling you, I've, I, I, cars to me are like, it's transportation. 
I've had brand new vehicles. Believe God for vehicles. You know, drove them off the lot. That's nice with the nice smell. I've had jalopies. Uh, I'm driving my daughter Destiny's car that was switched off, and it's got almost 300,000 miles. That's still going. I, I could care less. But you know, there was a time that uh, uh, sometimes my wife's like, you think maybe you shouldn't be? That thing's falling apart, you know? And I don't really care. But God, what I'm trying to say, and we need to be thankful for even the things that we may, you know, we want that we don't have, but be thankful for what we have. Come on. Amen. God can begin to multiply not enough into more than enough when we're thankful. Now watch this. Until we can be thankful for something that is not enough, we cannot be multiplied into more than enough. See, we'll never see the multiplication as, as long as we are ungrateful. You know, one of the things that the children of Israel, that, that they were judged is, and there's this principle through all the scripture, is the spirit of ungratefulness. They, 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 they're in the wilderness, the fire, you know, by night, the cloud by day to keep it from the sun. This, I mean, just think if we were to experience the, all the plagues. You know, as the children of Israel watch what happened to Egypt, the sea being split. Things that, I mean, when you get to heaven, I'd like to talk to them. What was it like walking through? Come on, you know? What was it like? We'll get to see them. What was it? Oh, just before, two weeks after that, they are complaining and they are ungrateful. How can that be? It's a picture of human nature. God can do a miracle and a powerful thing in your life, and the next day you could be complaining about something. He just broke through. He did something. Well, you know, I wish, I wish, not enough. See, we'll never see multiplication, multiplication as long as we are ungrateful. But when we become thankful for what he has given us, as little as it is. See, see little is much when God is in it. Amen. Amen? Little is much if God is in it. And so the question I have for this morning for all of us, are you thankful, church? Are you thankful? See, I don't have everything I wish I had, but, but I'm thankful for what I got. And here's the thing. Let me just say this. Just for me, the older I get, the less materialistic things I want. I mean, the kids are like, what do you want? What do you want? I want nothing. Uh, kids, I just want you to love Jesus. Uh, I, I want you to be a worshiper of him. Come on, parents. I, I, I don't want anything. You know, I don't want the soap and the rope or whatever, you know, because I'm going to drop it in the shower. I, I, I don't want anything. I want you to love God. I want you to get along, kids. I want you to love each other. Come on, amen? I don't want stuff. You know, if they give me something, that's fine. But uh, anyhow, point is, is that, that are you thankful? See, that's when miracles start. A spirit of thankfulness, and, and we are blessed. And, and even for Father's Day, I just want to challenge us men. You know, we could get caught up in the whole rat race of provision and giving our kids whatever they want. The truth of the matter is, is that's fine. That's a good, you know, you, you have a role in that to provide. But I mean, ultimately, God's the provider. <laughs> He's the one that blesses you to bless others. Amen. The Bible says that when Jesus took the bread and he blessed it, this is what he did. Now, now watch this. Going back to our teaching we were talking about, he gave thanks for it, not enough. And he knew he had to correct inventory. You know, two fish, five loaves. Nothing had multiplied. Nothing had increased after he blessed it. Nothing. Why? It goes back to what we've been talking about. That it wasn't until he did something, the Bible said, that he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. He breaks that little kid's bread. 
Here we go back to pruning and the blessing of the Lord. He breaks it. When he broke it, it started handing it out to the disciples to distribute it. What happens is, is he broke it and he said to do that. The disciples started grabbing it. It was baskets there. They began to lose count. Something was happening in that moment that he blessed and broke it out of that breaking. Out of that breaking, they lost count. See why? The blessing of God is in the breaking. It wasn't until that bread was broken that it began to multiply. And see, God wants to bring multiplication in our lives. He wants to bring blessing, but there's a breaking process with that. And what happens is we resist that. And I've actually had people just say, you know what, I, you know, if I step out and I serve God wholeheartedly, I mean, I know, I saw what happened to so-and-so with so-and-so. You know, you know if, I, if I leave, here, I've actually heard this, if I leave the devil alone, he'll leave me alone. Oh, don't you think that one moment. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? Amen? Go full steam with God all the way, amen? Do damage to the enemy. See, what, what am I trying to say here? That which refuses to be broken refuses to be blessed. And so you don't want to put yourself, spiritually speaking, on the shelf somewhere because you want everything to go just right in your life. You don't want to have any issues you have to deal with in areas where you have to forgive. Come on, can I get an amen? Areas where people said and did things and act towards you. And, and, and listen, even as a pastor, I mean, there, you're, many of you are more spiritual than I am. I can just say that from the pulpit. I just know it. When I hear your life, I went, God bless you. You're more spiritual than me. Because <laughs> I don't know if I would do that. But yeah, I mean that. It's like, so I, there's areas and things I still, that God is dealing with me in my life. Amen, church? Yeah. <clears throat> so, so if you refuse to be broken, there's a blessing there that God wants for you, but, but, but we kind of we, we, we shipwreck that. That's part of that pruning process. And uh, sometimes just, they don't want it. Just, I'm going to kind of be the phantom Christian and come into church, receive, and go out. And there's no interaction with anybody else. There's no connection. There's no part of the church body. There's no fellowship there with one another. And, and God, he has greater things for us. Amen? So it's a spiritual law. It's in the breakings of life that produce the blessings of, in our life. Amen? So it's a spiritual law that if God, watch this, if God allows you to go through that breaking process, which is his, I believe is his plan for all of us in certain seasons, it's not to destroy you. Amen. It's not to destroy you. It's to bless you. It's to increase you. It's to further you. It's to put more honor on your life. It's more authority on your life. More freedom in your life. Amen. Amen? I mean, people are looking for freedom and they're looking for, and, and, and Jesus said, if you try to keep your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you give your life away and say, Lord, have your way in my life, bring me through your process, that's where you receive life. Amen? Stand with me if you would, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Now, I want to ask you this question. Have you thanked the Lord for every time he broke you? Ugh. I'd be the first to admit, nope, I didn't like that. And some of you are in a season right now just kind of wondering what is going on. If you thank the Lord where he pruned you, if you look back some of the maybe traumatic times in your life, and I'm not... I have to temper all this, but we do, we do know that there's a real devil out there that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I'm talking about God's dealings in our life, okay? Not the devil's workings and attacks. But when you know when you go through certain things, there's many of us we can relate to and go, you know what, that was a pivotal point in my life. And there was something, there was something that was breaking, and God, 
I, I, I stepped in, in, out and I obeyed the Lord and it was crushing. It was, it was humiliating for me. It was hard. Come on, are you with me? It was just, I, I needed to do this. I didn't want to. And oh, I was really hurting. But that was a tr tremendous catalyst in my life. I and my wife would not be here today, 100%, if there wasn't some real painful, humbling, breaking things in our life that God opened up blessings. Amen. Worship team, you could come forward. <clears throat> so have you thanked the Lord? I just think this is a moment here this morning as we conclude. Every time he puts us through a season, a season of pruning and brokenness. Here's the thing. He's not out there to kill you, okay? He's out there to bless you. He's, out, he's pruning us for future growth. <clears throat> Amen? And some of you, 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 you've had plans, and I know I have in my own life, I thought my life would be, you know, after the military and Marines, and uh, I really had a heart, you know, I'm going to own a slew of gyms and, and, and train as a pro bodybuilder and compete, and that was what I wanted for my life. God had different plans. That was hard. The Lord said, can you lay that down? Now, for some of you that, you know, exercise is like, you know, for those of you who are avid people that exercise, that you say, take my right arm or my left leg. You know what I mean? It was like, I just love to train. I enjoy that. And there was seasons I had to, I had to lay that down. I loved motocross as a kid. Man, just all YZ, RM, 125, 250. I mean, we had bikes and I had all the whole outfit, the helmets, everything, the gloves. I mean, I loved it. Wheeling, you know, the whole thing as a kid. And it was time, there was a time that I had a, 1973 Honda XR75 was the first year they came out with those XRs and had the fat tank and I mean it was a little bike but I was I was probably 12 14 years old I worshiped that bike He said what do you mean did you bow down to it pretty much I got on it I sat I mean I just my life was that bike <clears throat> I drove it it looked good it was stolen one day Here's the thing in the shed, I remember, 532 East Street, Brockton, Mass. We had a German Shepherd. How many of you know German Shepherds are sentry dogs? And they're there to protect. Nobody goes around that. We had a German Shepherd, Heidi. What was She had distemper. She was sick. These crooks came in, opened the door. The dogs there can't do anything. Stole my bike. Took it out. My dad, he was livid. I was devastated. I was dying. I remember my mother coming up to me. Never forget that, standing out at the pole. I'm crying, 12 years old. My bike. And she said, Mike, that bike was an idol. You loved that bike more than you loved Jesus. And the enemy took that away from you because you had his idol. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want my bike back. She goes, I don't know if we'll get the bike back, but I know you need to make this right. And even if you don't get the bike back, you need to not make that in the rest. You can go on in your life with that materialistic things being idle. It was very hard in that moment to give that up. I just, and I'm sharing this just in a humble way. Please hear me just to be transparent. I was crying. I prayed at the pole. And I can just remember right there. I said, I just, God, help me. I let it go. And within an hour, my dad comes by with a cop, and he goes, we found the bike. And a, a kid down the street, who was a criminal kid, basically. If anyone's going to steal it, it would have been him. He didn't steal it, but he knew who did. And he goes, I know where it's at. I'll show you. I'm like, what's happening here? My whole life flashed before me. And while we went to this house in this area, they were, put, they were pushing it in the garage, ready to close the door. And that would have been it. 
And we pulled up, and these kids in the back of the, how many remember the station wagon days? The dirty, brown, septic-looking station wagons. He was in the back. He ducked. He goes, don't let him see me, man. And we pulled in, jumped out. He goes, that's our bike. And they just kind of dropped it. And I went over to him. What they took is battleship gray paint with a brush. <laughs> the whole thing. But I looked at it, and went, it's my bike. They broke some of the fender. And, but it was my bike. Something died in me. It's like, you know what? It's not an idol anymore. I got my bike back, okay? And something happened spiritually in my life. Why am I sharing that with you? About five years ago, there was someone in the congregation here when I shared that story, came out to me and goes, I have a 1973 Honda XR and I want to give it to you. <laughs> 30 years later, he gives me a bike. I went, wow. And I went, just, just thought that was interesting, just sharing that story. I thought, you got to, God, God is super abundant. He's more than enough. And if you want more than enough, we got to be thankful what's not enough. Amen? Hallelujah. What am I trying to say? The greatest blessings, if you can pull up that PowerPoint, come out of the hardest breakings. And that's why we don't get discouraged. Can we get someone there on the, the back there to show? Pull up that uh, second to the last uh, slide. The greatest blessings, the greatest blessings come out of the hardest breakings. That's why we don't get discouraged. Every head bowed, please. You may be in a season of brokenness right now. Kind of wondering why. Really, the scripture says you to rejoice. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? It's a sign that God is on your case and he's ready to bless and multiply you. That's what it is. That's what it means. See, the miracle didn't come until it was broken. It didn't multiply until it was broken. It didn't increase until it was broken. See, church, the very thing that you may be cursing is the very thing God is going to use to multiply and bless your life. pray for you. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor Mike, I've fallen away. I've fallen away from the Lord. I need to get back with God. Help me, O oh Lord. Help me, O oh Lord. That's your heart cry here. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for those that may be listening in our television audience and though you're not 100% sure that God forbid if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Let's pray together corporately and let's get that right with God today. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Come into it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me. Jesus, today I make a decision that I'm going to be thankful for not enough. Because as I am thankful, you will bless me into more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to invite uh, all the workers that have come forward here and Perhaps maybe you need a prayer of agreement. You need something other than we shared on hands laid upon you in ministry. These are safe people. They're here for you, to love on you, to pray for you, just to be a listening ear, to, 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 to minister God's love for you. And so uh, don't leave here without being ministered to if you need ministry. Amen. Amen. I know many of you have plans for Father's Day and just want to bless.
bless the dads and we just thank the dads once again here in this church. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word going forth. Lord, help us to be grateful and thankful people. Lord, let that permeate even here today. Even though there are things in our life that seem not enough and we need more. God, we make a decision to say, a decision today to say we are thankful for not enough. It's in that, Lord God, that you will bring us into more than enough. And so we just bless the people of God. I bless the dads once again. And keep us safe, Father, until we come back together again next Sunday. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Bless you. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.